God has been good to me, and that is who I am in Christ. I want to go ahead and uh, pray before I get started, and then we'll get into our message. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with these people. I pray, Lord God, right now that you would give these people ears to hear, hearts to receive, and Father, that you would bless my lips and anoint them with a refining coal. Father, to speak only the words that you would give me, and not words of my own. So, Father, be present with us today. Make your spirit known among us. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. How many of you were raised hearing these words? Don't talk back. <laughs> I was. In fact, you know, I think I might have heard them just a few days ago. <laughs> it's amazing. I moved out. We're married, we got a baby on the way, and Justin said, don't you talk back. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, today, for those of you who were trained not to talk back, I'm going to tell you, it's okay to talk back to me. I want to hear amen. I want to hear hallelujah. I want to hear God is good, right? So today we're going to look at a message that I entitled, Meeting Place. And it's not a message about the church building, it's a message about where God meets us. For the past two years, uh, my ministry has taken to Facebook and I've been teaching online. And each, um, each Sunday, I start my message with the reading of the 23rd Psalm. I'm going to see if this clicker is going to work for me. It might not. There we go. And so, I've, I've come to realize that most people are more familiar with the King James Version of the 23rd Psalm than any other version. It's uh, more so how the train. If you want to read it with me, I've displayed it here in the New King James. However, you'll catch that as we read it, as I typed it, my mind reverted to King James, and I still typed my cup front over. So if you want to read with me Psalm 23, and then I'll explain why we do it. Psalm 23 is a psalm of David, and it reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I start each message with the 23rd Psalm because it shows us something good about our Master. It shows us that he is always there. It shows us that he's going to meet us wherever we are at. That rod and that staff isn't just something that a shepherd props up on, but sometimes, unfortunately, the rod and the staff is used for discipline, right? And that's something that we kind of struggle with. But it's okay, because God is going to discipline us into righteousness. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And we say praise you, Lord. 
So that is why I start each message with the 23rd Psalm. We're going to stay in the book of Psalms. If you're turning in your Bible, uh, the first scripture that we're going to turn to is Psalm chapter 42. And this one's not labeled on the note sheets. Um, I kind of added it somewhat last minute. But I want to read verses 1 through 3 of uh, Psalm chapter 42. It says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? But I want to focus on this. Where can I go to meet with God? I'm trying to get this to take to the next slide. <laughs> so we're going to look today at three places where God meets us. Okay? And as you look at your note sheet, generally what I like to do is I like to print the entire scripture for you. But when I tried to get them onto a half sheet, you would have had four half sheets because of the length of some of the scriptures. So I decided just to put the scripture references there for you. Three places that God meets us. The first, maybe of the most obvious, there we go, where he's called us. When God calls us somewhere, he's going to meet us there, right? He's going to be faithful to say, Eric, I've called you to this place in this time. And when I start to follow him, is he going to abandon me, leave me, forsake me? No. He's going to meet me there. And he's going to be with me. I want to look at two scripture verses. The first one from Exodus chapter 19, beginning in verse 16 through verse 20. It says this, On the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled. Violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. And the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up. God called in a voice to Moses and said, Come up to the top of the mountain. And Moses responded by going up. As I prepared for this message, I couldn't help but find the humor then in verse 21. Right after you read, so Moses went up, verse 21 says, And the Lord said to him, Go down. <laughs> this, is, this is because I'm quirky. Mount Sinai has an elevation of about 7,500 feet. So if you've ever taken a hike of that elevation, 
hard hike. And I'm going to say Moses didn't have a paved pathway up the mountain. It was probably a fairly strenuous hike. If any of you have ever been to the Smoky Mountains, the closest hike that I could think of was the hike to Clingman's Dome. And that's actually only about 6,500 feet. And Brittany will tell you, I had to sit down about 10 times on the way up that mountain. So Moses gets all the way up there, and God says, okay, here's what I need you to go, go back down. And Moses must have been better than me, because I'd have said, really? <laughs> it took me so long to get up here. But Moses went up, and Moses took God's instructions. So God said, Moses, come up. And he did. And because Moses was obedient, God met him there. Next passage of scripture I want to look at is Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be back and forth between the Old and New Testament a lot. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to begin in verse 22. Okay? And we're going to look at when Peter got called out of the boat. It's one of the, one of the scriptures that I think, um, I know somebody's coming down. One of the scriptures that I think a lot of people um, know about because there's an essence of, of uncertainty that comes with it, right? So we want to start here in verse 22. It says this, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Think of a boat full of grown men. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. This is the part we want to focus on. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. So what did Jesus say? Come. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of why did I choose this passage to look at for some time that God calls us? Because Peter asked to be called. It, it wasn't one of those moments where, like Moses heard the voice of God saying, Moses, come up here. Peter said, if it's you, bid me come, right? If it's really you, just tell me, come on. I, I want to I see how this works. So Peter asked to be called, and Jesus called him. And that first step, you think about looking out of a boat, and there's water. To take that first step, and your foot 
be flat on high. That would be faith. That would, that would be a faith booster, amen? amen? And then take the other foot and realize, I'm not sinking. Because my eyes are fixed on Jesus. When God calls us somewhere and is going to meet us in the moment, he won't let us sink. Even in the moment that Peter began to doubt and actually began sinking, he made the right move, he made the right confession, and said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus caught him, amen? That's the goodness of our God. That's one of the reasons that I start with the 23rd Psalm, because it shows us the goodness of our God. Number two, I skipped that. There we go. Is everywhere we wander. Everywhere that we wander. That one's a little bit less clear, maybe. But you think about your life. Remember, as I as I share my testimony, I say, some of the years, bright and glorious. Other years, maybe not as bright, maybe not as glorious. I had some wandering years. So we want to turn to the book of Numbers. If you've read um, much of the Old Testament, you see the same words repeated often and often and often, and those words are, the Lord's anger burned against them. And you see the Israelites wandering and wandering, and you keep reading the words, the Lord's anger burned against them. And so we want to look at Numbers 32, verses 10 through 13. The Lord's anger was aroused that day, and he swore this oath, because they have not followed me, how wholeheartedly. Not one of those who were 20 years or more when they came up out of Egypt will see the land I promised on them to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not one except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, son of Nun. For they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years, until the whole generation of those who had done evil in his sight was gone. Take note of that. The Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and he caused them to wander. But God, amen. Two of my favorite words, but God. He never left them. He never left them because he continued to guide them, right? Cloud by day and fire by night. He never left them without a leader. He took Moses. One, one of the most profound things that I think I maybe have ever read, um, and I've been studying uh, a lot of the Old Testament the past few weeks, is, is just before Moses died, and God said, listen, Moses, you're not going to go up into the promised land. And so what did he do? He took him up to the mountain, and he said, you can see it from here, but you're not going. To, to, to make sure that Moses understood God is a God of his word, I promised this to your ancestors, and it's coming, but I'm sorry. 
You won't go, but I'll let you see it. That struck me kind of hard. And maybe maybe this is a little bit backwards from, from the way that someone else might think of it. But that showed me the tenderness and the goodness and the mercy of God. To know that Moses then would not have to die wondering, was the promised land out there? He wouldn't have to die wondering, will they ever make it? God led him up to the mountain and said, it's right there. After Moses died, God didn't leave the Israelites. He didn't, he didn't leave them without a leader. Joshua got appointed. And ultimately Joshua led them into the promised land. Back to the New Testament. We're going to go to the Gospel of Luke. At this point, we're going to look actually at three scripture verses. This next one comes from Luke chapter 5. Thank you, Mom. Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 31. And I'll explain. Maybe this one will take a little bit more explanation. It says this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I want to replace the word sinners for one moment, if you'll allow me, with wanderers. Because isn't it wandering away from God that would lead us to sin? But still God leads us where we wander. And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Not the healthy who need a doctor. How's your spirit this morning? Is your spirit healthy this morning? Or is it a little bit sick? Does it need a doctor? The great physician. I have not come to call the righteous, the sinners, to repentance. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the good news. We're going to stay in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to turn to chapter 15. I want to look at verses 1 through 7.
leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds them. And when he finds it, get this, when he finds it, joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Celebrates that one sheep, that one wandering sheep, right? As I saw the Lord weeks ago, He gave me a vision of a shepherd on a hillside looking down over a flock. And as I, as I saw the vision that God was giving me, I, I could just so plainly see that none of the sheep on that hillside were ever out of the shepherd's view. Not the ones that were off to the side, not the ones that were behind the shrubs, none of them ever outside of the shepherd's view. And that's the way that God is with us. We're never outside of his view. We're always where he sees us. And when we begin to wander, he says, flock, You'll be all right. I gotta go after Eric. Goes, gets me, slings me over his shoulders, right? Sometimes kicking and screaming, I'll admit. And says, Come on, we're gonna throw a party because I'm bringing you back. Leaves 99. Come on. Final point that I want to look at this morning final place that God meets us is, of course, where he calls us. Of course, where we wander. And everywhere in between. Because he's a faithful God. First scripture that I want to look at, we're going to look at uh, three scriptures again. Everywhere in between, in the blaze, I don't want to recount this one uh, word for word, so I'll just give you the brief of it because it's kind of long and cumbersome to read. But Nebuchadnezzar, he was mad at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so he had the furnace fired up seven times hotter than usual. And he told his soldiers, throw those three into the fire. Done with them. Had them tightly bound. But King Nebuchadnezzar, he got a certain surprise, didn't he? He threw three boys in the fire, and when he looked, how many were there? There were four. What a shock. Scripture says that, that the soldiers that threw them into the furnace died from the heat. And somehow there's an extra guy in the furnace, and everybody's alive. That's the power of God. In the fiery furnace, God met them there to save them. And then they walked out of the fire. Not so much as a hair singed. They didn't even smell like smoke. That's okay to laugh. That's funny. They didn't even smell like smoke. God met them in the blaze. 
book of Acts, we see how God meets us in prison. In Acts chapter 16, we read about Paul and Silas and how how here they are, they're, they're going about and they're preaching and witnessing. And what happened? The backstory to the passage that I have labeled there for you is Paul got annoyed by a fortune-telling spirit, turned around and cast it out with the lady. Well, that made the owners of that servant upset. And so they said, let's arrest him. And so Paul and Silas got arrested because they took away the ability to tell fortune. Cast out the spirit. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Because they knew. Right? God's on their side. Guard them carefully. They must have heard about the boys in the furnace. <laughs> guard them carefully. When they received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, fastened their feet into the stocks. And this is where things begin to change, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were sitting in the cell, praying and singing hymns to God. And all the other prisoners were listening to them, right? What was the result? This, this is where I get the phrase, praise changes things, amen? Amen. They begin to praise their God in prison, in chains, having been beaten, probably still bleeding, if not bleeding, they're sore. They begin to sing. God hears that. And suddenly, an earthquake. And the chains are loosed. And the prison walls fall down. And now we've got the whole prison set free. The thing about being in prison is that it's not exactly always what you think it is. You see, this is, this is a literal circumstance of God meeting them in prison. But sometimes the strongest prison Defy the power of the chains with praise. 
one of our sins. Hallelujah, God is good to us. Amen. If I can have every head bowed and every eye closed for just a minute. I just want to ask you this morning. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know where you're at in your walk with Christ. But I know this. Life is hard. And in 2022, it, it, it just doesn't seem like it's getting any easier. Being a Christian seems to become more difficult. What we're doing here this morning is illegal in 53 countries. And so this morning, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I just want to ask you this question. If you're waiting on God to meet you somewhere, would you just put your hand up? ask him, meet me here, I see that hand in the back, God bless you sister, I see that hand, God bless you, I see that hand and that hand, yes, get him up, I see that hand, I see that hand, yes, God bless you, doesn't matter where you are, you're never too far away, you're never too far gone, because he is always with you, words of Jesus himself, lo, I am with you, always, always. If you raised your hand this morning, I see that hand too. God bless you. If you would just raise your hands. I want you to receive this prayer as we close this message this morning. Just raise your hands to receive it. And I'm going to ask the Lord Jesus right now. As we come to you, we thank you, Father, that you would meet us wherever we are. We thank you, Lord, that it doesn't matter how far we've wandered. You are with us. Father, would you pour out your blessing upon your children today to know, to know, to know that you are with them. Father, even in the darkest valley, in the valley of the shadow of death, comfort them. Still their hearts before you. Lead them deeper, closer, nearer unto you. Lord God, pour out your blessing upon each one of them to know that you are there. And even in the shadow of death, we will praise you, Lord God, as our chains break free. Because you are good and you're faithful. Holy Ghost, rain down on us this morning. Bless your name. lives, change hearts like you do. Compel, Father, your children closer to your throne. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.